Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Good morning, good morning. There we go. Man, I am uh, I'm happy to be here with you this morning. I know that uh, I'm sorry about the beanie. Uh, my hair was getting in my face too bad. I don't know how to work. Uh, long hair like this. I've never done this before. Uh, I don't know how to work it. I'm still working out the, the, you know, the bumps and every whatever it is. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm just trying to buy some time till I get everything set up. Uh, how is everybody doing this morning? If you're happy to be here, let's let's hear a hand clap for the Lord. If you're happy to be in church, yeah. All right. Sorry. Uh, like I always say, man, I'm excited to be here uh, with you guys this morning. I always love the opportunity to speak to the whole congregation. Uh, I know that it's risky. I know my dad takes a big risk whenever when I do this. Um, but I see it I see it as a really cool thing when he asks me to speak because it means that I'm at least doing my job uh, a little bit like halfway correctly or I can form enough of a thought that you guys would be like, I, I see what you, okay, I mean, yeah, all right. And so he's like, I don't have any other option. You gotta speak. Um, but they are taking uh, my sister to college, uh, and I don't really know how to feel about it. Like, I was fine going to college. Like, I'm obviously going to miss her and stuff, but, you know, I didn't cry. Um, my parents did. They were crybabies, but um, I get to be here with you, and that's, that's just as good, in my opinion. Like, it's, it's hot in Mobile, and that's where she's at. Um, but I felt like over the past few Sundays, um, Pastor Chad has really just been hitting the nail on the head um, with the sermon series that he's been preaching, uh, the comeback. I don't know about you guys or, or how you felt during this past season, but there have been times uh, where I felt like I wasn't doing uh, what I thought that I would be doing in this moment. Um, there's just been so much happening. There's, you know, places are at half capacity, stores are closed. Uh, and at times in my own heart, I felt like that. I felt like my heart was closed. I felt like I was at half capacity that I normally would be. Um, if, you, if, if you have youth, you know that uh, we, we couldn't have youth for a while. We were trying to do it as best as we can on Zoom, and it's just hard to do those things. And so this season has been tough for me because I felt just like everybody else has um, and just out of my element. Um, but over the past few weeks, Pastor Chad has been talking about the comeback, and I can be so encouraged every time I walk out of this place from hearing one of those messages because I know that God's not done yet. Right, This season seems a little off. This season seems a little strange. Uh, but I know that God isn't done. Uh, and he's, he's setting us up for an incredible comeback. And, and I pray that over my life. I pray that over your life. Um, I pray that over your family. Uh, because I know right now seems grim, but I know that we're going to have a great comeback. I pray that we have an encounter with God, not only in this place today, but we start to realize how urgently we need an encounter with God every single day. Um, <clears throat> so... I felt like in this, in this same uh, aspect, in the same thought process as Pastor Chad, I wanted to continue on the comeback uh, because it's just blessed me so incredibly. Uh, but I wanted to tell you guys my favorite comeback story. Is that okay with you this morning? I know Pastor Chad's talked about Michael Jordan, and that's, um, that's a really good one. I know he's talked about Miracle, the movie, and that's a really good one. But I feel like the comeback story that I most relate to, um, and you'll understand it when I tell you about it, um, it, it just speaks so strongly to me. I, I spoke a few weeks ago, but a, a long time ago I spoke, and if you weren't here, uh, I'll give you a gist of what I told you about myself. I want you to you know, know a little bit more about me. I'm a huge nerd. And you're like, 
yeah, you didn't have to tell us that. Like, we knew that. We can see you're, you're wearing a Star Wars shirt, right? You got the, the, the funky-looking glasses on, and, like, you're like, you didn't have to tell us. But I'm a huge nerd. I love cartoons. I love sci-fi movies, superhero movies. I play lots of video games. Like, that's just who I am. But uh, in that same spirit, one of my favorite movie series of all time is obviously... Star Wars, or this way. I guess we read left to right. Um, Star Wars. But I think Star Wars has one of the best comeback stories of all time. Raise your hand if you've watched the, obviously I'm talking about the original Star Wars trilogy. Raise your hand if you watched it, right? One of the best stories of all time. And I think you have to pull from the, the prequel trilogy, like the one we don't really like to talk about, but we acknowledge that they're there. Um, I feel like you have to pull from that to understand the full roundabout um, comeback story that I'm talking about. And the person that I'm talking about in Star Wars, his name is Darth Vader. And if you're thinking to yourself, what? That's the bad guy. How, why, why will you root for him? You obviously haven't seen the movie. Um, he has one of the best comeback stories of all time. Um, I carry him around with me um, most, most of my days. Uh, if you can't see, I have a Star Wars uh, shaker cup. Shaker cups are just um, bottles for adults. And like, so this is, this is my, this, I carry this around. But Darth Vader is my favorite comeback story of all time. And so if you haven't seen the movie, um, I'm going to spoil it for you as fast as I possibly can because there's so many plot points I'm going to leave out uh, for your benefit. And if you, if you want to see it, you should. There's a lot of movies. So if you don't know about Darth Vader, he's one of the biggest uh, villains in the Star Wars franchise history. He's, he's, he's one of the main characters, um, which is, is, is one of my favorite movie series. You've got these futuristic knights called the Jedis who fight against these evil bad guys called the Sith. Uh, there's always more Jedi than there are Sith. You'll know that when you watch it. Who use this thing called the Force, which as a, a young Christian boy, what we did was we just assumed that it was Jesus. Uh, we just, they pulled their power from Jesus, and that's why they were able to do these really cool things. They were the Jedis. They were the awesome, the good guys, and, and they were all Christians. That's what we thought. Um, but they, they use the force and they fight with lightsabers, which uh, a short definition was uh, laser swords. But don't call them that. They're lightsabers. Call them lightsabers because that's what they are. Um, so what's not to like? I grew up and I was like, man, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so just to give you a short run through, there's this uh, unrest in the galaxy. Uh, and obviously not our galaxy. It's a galaxy far, far, far away, right? Um, <clears throat> but you have these two sides of the force. You've got the dark side. And you've got the light side, and they're always at uh, an unrest. But you have this prophecy that said that there's going to be this one uh, Jedi, there's going to be with this one young boy who is going to bring peace and balance to the Force, right? And we're like, wow, this is going to be great. Like, this is this whole setup of the movie. So you, you, you wait for this guy, and his, uh, they, they, they've been waiting for a long time for this, uh, this boy. And this boy's name was Anakin Skywalker, right? So if you know the, tr the original trilogy, Skywalker's a big name. So Anakin was found on this really desolate planet. <clears throat> he was taken because uh, he was in slavery, uh, but then he was saved by the Jedi, and he was trained in the ways of the Jedi. He was trained how to be a Jedi. He fought, trained how to use the Force uh, for good. He was taught the ways of the Jedi, and then he becomes a great Jedi himself. However, one of the rules that Jedi had to follow is they couldn't fall in love, right? They couldn't get married. Uh, they couldn't fall in love. But what makes a good story? Forbidden love, right? And so just like any good love story, Anakin falls in love with his princess. They elope. 
they run off and they get married. Nobody knows about it. And because they're married, they get pregnant, right? That's just what happens. So he's like going crazy. Anakin's going crazy in this moment. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm, I'm nervous. He wants to take care of his family. And he starts having these weird dreams that his wife is going to die in childbirth, right? And that would throw anybody off. So he starts going a little bit crazy. And this is when you start to see a shift in his life. So he's, he's, he's going along his life. He's trying to figure out how am I going to save my wife. I don't want her to pass away during childbirth. childbirth. Then you have the big bad of the story who kind of sneaks his way in, and you don't know he's a big bad yet, and this is a spoiler, and his name is Palpatine. So he comes up, and he's like, hey, I know how to save your wife. It's going to use the dark side of the force, but you'll have your wife still. I can teach you how to do it, and Anakin's like, uh, okay. So he goes to the dark side, and it's terrible. He kills everyone, and it's just an awful time. Uh, they execute Order 66, and it's just they kill all the Jedi, or so they think. And then uh, the dark side reigns for a long time. The dark side is the reigning force in the galaxy. Uh, Anakin has to fight his master, Obi-Wan, who takes him in. And in that fight, Anakin loses his arms and his legs, and he gets burned really badly. So in that, he's got to have a lot of prosthesis. I'm, I promise you there's a point to this story. I see your faces, and you're like, what is... Are you just going to tell us Star Wars? Yes. Um, so Anakin gets taken. He's looted. He got no arms, no legs. He's burnt real bad. So the big bad, Emperor Palpatine, who's the Sith Lord, the big uh, bad person in this story, takes him and turns him in to Darth Vader, right? So we're, we're, we're about halfway through, but this last part's really, really quickly. So he takes him into, and he turns him into Darth Vader. And then a lot of bad stuff happened. Darth Vader reigns. is kind of like the, the, the big bad. The Emperor's also the, there, and they're just you know, being really bad and taking over the galaxy. So this boy who was uh, Anakin's son was born. Anakin didn't know that his, his uh, children were born. He had, they had twins. Um, one was Luke, and they took him away so that Anakin couldn't find him. So Luke trains. This is not about Luke. Luke trains, and he becomes a Jedi. At the end of the movie, he has to fight his father, Darth Vader. So they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Uh, and then the, the emperor jumps in and starts to really turn the tides in a, in a bad way for Luke. So Luke is on the ground, and, he's, and, and the emperor is using force lightning. You just have to see the movie. To, it, it's a cool thing. Um, he's shocking him to death. And so uh, Darth Vader has this thought in his mind. And so throughout the entire story of Luke, like the Luke storyline, it's Luke Skywalker, not Luke, the book of the Bible. But you, you see Luke is like, hey, there's still good left in my father. I can't kill him. I can't fight him. There's still good left there, and, I, and I'm going to bring it out of him. So you finally see this redemption moment in Darth Vader's life. His son is about to die, and he makes a choice. He's going to change what he's done up until this point, and he's going to do something different that's going to bring good to the galaxy. So he picks the emperor up, and he throws him down this uh, chute in the Death Star with this big laser beam. You just have to see it to understand that part. So I know that was a lot. So to recap, he was born, he had a great destiny, he fell, he was a bad guy for a long time, and then he finally has his redemption story, and he comes back to the good side. So if you're like me, I immediately see a parallel in the Bible, and you're like, I'm not like you, I don't see that at all, what are you even talking about? But like I said, I'm a huge nerd, so I try and, I try and parallel the Bible to Star Wars as much as I can, because those are my two favorite stories, the Bible and Star Wars. Like, so I try and parallel everything that I can, and I'm going to do that as, as, as often as I can. But I believe the Bible has a lot of really good comeback stories, but I always think of uh, this story as a relation to the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you know about the Apostle Paul. He's one of the most influential writers in the Bible. We know that he is 
attributed to at least writing 13 of the new books of the New Testament, at least. And there's uh, uh, an argument for a lot more. But he writes all these letters to churches he's, that are scattered around the, the, the region, that, and they attribute to him spreading the gospel more than most people in the New Testament that are talked about. Paul is an incredible person in the Bible. He's revered as one of the best communicators in the entire Bible. He writes the letters to Corinthians that I talked about the last time when we talked about love. Uh, Paul turns out at the end of his life to be one of the most incredible tools of the gospel that the world has ever seen. But it didn't always look like that. Paul's story is a bit of a comeback story if you look at his life as a whole. Uh, Paul, was, he wasn't born and, and lived his whole life. He wasn't the most incredible guy that there ever was. Paul had a downfall. Paul had a falling out. Paul had a comeback story. Paul was actually not born as Paul, but as Saul. And from the time that he was born, he was really expected to be the best and the brightest that was around. You know, he was born and he was a child of the best upbringing, a student of one of the most praised teachers of the time. He was a Roman citizen. He trained in the best Jewish schools. He was groomed perhaps to even become chief priest of the tabernacle. And that's a really big job. And you're like, wow, this guy had it all. He was trained in the best Jewish schools of all time. He knew Jewish faith. He knew the law. He knew uh, in that time about the Israelites that came before him that led away for Jesus. All the story that we look at in the Old Testament, he had down pat. He knew it. Saul knew what he was talking about. But what takes place in Saul's life goes differently than you would think. Saul has a moment in his life where things completely derail. And after the time of Jesus' death, when Christianity really begins to rise up and sweep the nation, Paul makes it his mission to destroy Christianity. Paul makes it his journey. He says, you know what I'm going to do at this point? He's Saul. Uh, at this point, I'm wiping out Christianity. This is completely uh, against what I believe uh, as a Jew, and I'm going to make sure that I squash this, this, this way that has been going, this follower, all of these followers of Jesus, this guy that knew the Jewish law backwards and forwards, he was raised in the temple, he was taught the history of the Israelites and their God, was now dead set on destroying the one who we believe fulfilled the law. We see the Old Testament as a book leading up to Jesus' uh, life, but Paul didn't see it that way. Paul saw it as, as opposition. Jesus came and was opposing the Jewish tradition and the law and, and, and he didn't see it the way that we see it now. We know Jesus as fulfilling the Old Testament, but Saul saw it as opposing the Old Testament. So he made it his mission to squash the, the Christian faith. Saul was responsible, honestly, for the death of one of the earliest messengers of Jesus named Stephen. It says in Acts chapter 1, now Saul was consenting to his death. Luke makes a point to let you know Saul said it was okay to kill uh, Stephen. One of the earliest Christians to spread the gospel in the Bible, one of the earliest messengers Jesus had sent, and Saul gave the okay to murder him. Saul was ruining the lives of people who believed in the one that his history lessons taught about. You would think that Paul would know that this Jesus guy was a good guy, that this Jesus guy was who he was hoping for in his history lessons, that this person that came named Jesus, he, he obviously knew of him. It wasn't long after his death. You would think that he would know what was going on, but Saul had something in front of him. Saul had some blinders in his way that he couldn't get past his own self to see what Jesus was really all about. It goes on in Acts chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And verse 3 says, But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men, uh, men and women and put them in prison. Saul made it his mission to destroy the gospel of Jesus. So now, if that doesn't kind of remind you of the Star Wars story with Darth Vader, where like he had everything. He was the best upbringing. He had the, he had the best teaching and schooling and leaders in front of him. And you would think that his life would go great from then on out. But no, there was something that happened. There was a circumstance that happened that changed the trajectory of what it looked like his life was going to be. Saul had an incredible time. He, he was taught all the right things. But what happened? He ended up persecuting most of the church and becoming Saul the persecutor. When you heard Saul's name and you were a disciple of Jesus, you knew the end was coming for you. If Saul was heading your way, you knew that something bad was about to happen. Starts off with one of the best situations at his feet, but along the way something snaps and he goes AWOL. But what happens to him in the next chapter of Acts is what the incredible part about his life. We don't look at Saul's life and we don't remember Paul as Saul the persecutor, but we remember Paul as one of the most influential authors of the New Testament. Right? When we think of Paul, we think of the, the Paul who, who spoke about Jesus in ways that nobody else had in the time. And you see what changed in his life in the next chapter of Acts. What takes place in his life is a direct indicator of how God can use situations and circumstances to turn us around. And so if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I just, this season has been so rough for me. I felt like I've been at half capacity. I felt like I haven't been able to do what I know God is calling me to do. Can I encourage you with this? That it's not over. That you can have a setback. You can have a season of difficulty. You can have a time where you run away from God. And God says, if I can change Saul the persecutor's life, why can't I change yours? He's murdering Christians. And I don't think any of us have probably done that in the past week or so, right? Like, nobody, we haven't been, right? If God can do it in Saul's life, can I encourage you that he will also do it in yours? Pray with me this morning, then we're going to dive into some scripture. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to sit in your house and listen to your word. We pray that something would just spark an encounter with you. God, if today is the day that we have our, our uh, Saul to Paul moment, God, that we would just understand so fully and, and heavily that you are here with us. God, you want to touch our hearts. You want to lead us on a new path, God, that it wasn't the end, but it's only the beginning. We thank you for who you are, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 19 this morning. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if you found any there who belonged to the way, which is what they called Christianity at the time, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5 says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And in that moment, you kind of see that he, he asked, who are you? But he, he really knew who the voice was. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there, uh, were speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink 
anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord came to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And this is what I feel like all of our responses would be. Ananias says, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes, and he could see again. He went up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What I think is incredible that in an instant, Saul's life was changed. In one instant, Saul's life was changed. Saul was, he had no clue that this was coming. Saul had no indicator that what was about to take place was really going to change his life the way that it did. I know that we always, we, we always try and be flexible. Of, of Our plans can change, but this was something that Saul like, definitely didn't see in this story happening. In the midst of a, of a mission to destroy the church, Saul has an encounter with Jesus, the person that he's persecuting, and his path is altered drastically. How many people know that when you make up your mind, it's really hard for something to change it, right? And maybe that's just me. When you make up your mind, sometimes it's really hard for our minds to change. But can I encourage you that when Jesus steps on the scene, it doesn't matter what you've decided, things change. When Jesus in, encounters you in the way that Jesus does, in the way that only Jesus does, when it's authentic and you understand and he calls out to you and you feel it in your spirit, things change that you never would understand outside of Jesus. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. You could be headed for your grave. You could be headed on a path that's going to lead you straight to the dark side. But when Jesus steps on the scene, everything changes. You could be headed for the worst, but Jesus has a different plan. All it takes for a lifetime of hate and bitterness and anxiousness to change is an encounter with Jesus. So if you're sitting here and you're like, man, this season has been so rough, can I encourage you? that all it takes is you looking for an encounter for Jesus, an encounter with Jesus. If you're looking for something, if you're looking for change, you know where that change starts? At the feet of Jesus saying, God, I need you right now to step into my life and change the trajectory because where I'm headed doesn't look like it's going to be beneficial. Maybe we know that we, we, we think that we're right and where we're headed is the right way, but when Jesus steps on the scene, anything is possible. And that's what I pray with this service is for us. And we don't, we don't come to church on Sunday mornings just to sit here and, 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 and get just a, a word that's, that's okay. Man, I pray that when we sit in these seats, you start to encounter Jesus. That when I speak, that it's not my words that are being spoken, and it's not the preparation that I've put in this message, but it's Jesus speaking to you, maybe something that I'm not even saying, that you need confirmed in your life that only comes from Him. I pray that when we worship, that it's not just something that we're singing, but it's an encounter. Because an encounter with Jesus will change your life. Amen. An encounter with Jesus will change you more than I could ever persuade you to change. 
An encounter with Jesus will do something that you never thought could happen before because things were stagnant. Things were half capacity. You didn't feel like you were worthy. You didn't feel like you had it in you. But when you have an encounter with Jesus, can I encourage you right now, for someone who needs that, Jesus changes everything. Jesus steps on the scene, and he changes everything. In verse 5, it says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuted. He replied, From the moment that Saul heard Jesus' voice, he knew it was the Lord. And you know why? Because our souls are wired to know when the Lord is speaking to us. Man, I, I don't know about you, there's been times in my life where I've had radio silence from Jesus. And I'm just like, man, I, I, what's next? What do I do? Where, what's my next step? What's my next go? What, what do I do? But the moment that Jesus starts to speak, I hear it. Not in an audible voice. I wish that was how it was because that'd be, that'd be, I feel like he would sound a lot like Darth Vader. Like he would have that, he would have that like commanding voice. But when Jesus speaks, even in the still small voice, my soul knows that it's him. Saul was persecuting his people. Saul was destroying the church, but his soul still knew that it was the Lord. His soul still knew that it was Jesus. Because when Jesus shows up, things change. When Jesus shows up in your life, things change. Verse 6 says, now get up and go into the city. and You will be told what you must do. Jesus doesn't say that this is the end, right? He doesn't, he doesn't give him, uh, hey, you're different now, all right. No, Jesus gives him a mission. He doesn't leave it at, at, at just saying, hello, Paul. Like, he says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. It's not just about the meeting with Jesus. It's how you respond to his calling, right? Everybody in here, I, I pray, wants an encounter with Jesus. But what are you going to do after the encounter? When Jesus calls you out onto the water, are you going to step out? When Jesus asks you to do something, when you meet with him, are you going to do it? Are you going to change the life that you, that you so desperately cling on to, when the, the comfortability and, and, and knowing the routine? Or when Jesus steps up and you say, Lord, I need a change, and he steps in, are you going to obey his next steps? Are you going to step out? Are you going to keep walking? Or are you going to walk the way that you've always walked because that's what you know? Saul's life never would have changed if he didn't obey Jesus' next step. Saul maybe would have lived the rest of his life blind. Man, and that's the, le that's the last thing that I want is to have an encounter with Jesus that leaves me blind because I didn't obey what he asked me to do when I, when I met him. Man, I, Jesus has a plan and a purpose for us, but we have to walk that out. We have to walk with him on a daily basis. We have to pick that up every day. Saul's mission was waiting for him in Damascus, but he, if he never went there and met Ananias, he never would have found the incredible plan that God had waiting for him to speak to nations. Just think, we are still today reading Paul's words. We are still today putting a lot of, uh, of trust and faith in the fact that Paul heard from Jesus when he wrote what he wrote. In that moment, Saul had no idea what the future would look, but we are still to this day reading his words. Man, that is a testament that his life looked crazy, and then Jesus did something crazier. Saul had an incredible plan, but if he didn't go to Damascus, it never would have happened. In verse 10, it says this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called, him, uh, called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his, eyes, uh, his hands on his eyes to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. 
And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias, if you look at him, uh, you understand right then and there that he's not a dumb guy. Like he knew about Saul. He had heard his name before. He, he knew what Saul was about. He, he has seen, had heard reports of everything that Saul was doing. He's probably thinking to himself that if I go looking for Saul, that I am dead. <laughs> I am dead meat. There's no way that I'm going to find, like, I, usually you hide from Saul. You don't go look for Saul. <laughs> like, you, you wait for Saul to unfortunately find you. But no. And then I said, Lord, what, I mean, are you, are you sure this is the guy? Like, Saul, Saul's the bad guy. Saul's, Saul's the big bad right now. He's the guy that we don't want to look for. And God reminds Ananias what I feel like we all need a reminder of every morning when we, when we wake up that we are God's chosen instruments to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Saul had just had this change, but we get a glimpse into what was to happen in, Saul, in Saul's future. And we need a reminder every morning when we wake up, I don't know about you, but I need a reminder that what my day looks like needs to be through the lens of how I'm proclaiming Jesus' name. What am I doing today that's going to move the kingdom of God forward? What am I doing today that's going to let someone else know that there's a love and a mercy and a joy and a peace that comes from the God that I serve that they can serve also? Saul is, is this terrible person, and God tells Ananias, I know what you know about Saul. But here's what I tell you about Saul. He is my chosen instrument. <clears throat> and I don't know if you think this when you wake up, but you and I are the same. We are God's chosen instrument. We're not second best. We're not second chosen. We're not, we're not the, the stragglers who God was like, yeah, you guys can come too. No, we are all God's chosen instruments. And if you look at it from the lens of Saul, he had just murdered people. He had just murdered Christians. And you're thinking to yourself, how in the world is that God's chosen instrument? You would think that's probably the devil's chosen instrument to, to, to stop it. But God says, no, I know the plans and purpose that I have on your life. And he tells Ananias, no, that is my chosen instrument, my loved person. Saul had been ransacking the faith for a while. And God says, I know who he was, but this is who I've called him to be. And you're going to be a part of it. He tells Ananias that you're going to be a part of it. He's waiting for you. Man, there's somebody out there waiting for you to come to Damascus, to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given you. Because if God can do it in Saul's life, how much more can he do it in ours, in our failures, in our iniquities, in our shortcomings, in our weakness? God says, I know that you can't do it, but that's why I'm choosing you. Because you can't do it. And it's only through my power it's only when you accept my purpose and my plan will you understand that your story is never over. It could be just the beginning. In verse 17, it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Paul's eyes. And he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Shelby, if you would join me on the stage as I get ready to close. What I think is worth noting here, this entire experience, um, and maybe you've never thought of it before because I know uh, it, it kind of gets lost. Um, Saul doesn't get his name changed right away. 
Saul's name doesn't change uh, when he gets to Damascus and meets Ananias. It doesn't say that Ananias puts his hands on his eyes and then takes it off and, and the scales fell off and now he's Paul. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't say that. What you, what you have to understand is uh, it actually doesn't start to call him Paul until a few chapters later in Acts. Actually, into chapter 13 of Acts, you notice that he is still reser- uh, referenced to as Saul. In Acts chapter 13, he's being tasked with his first missionary journey. In verse 2, it says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. If you count how many times that they reference his name from the time that he has his encounter with Jesus um, until his first missionary journey, he's actually called Saul 11 more times. I don't know about you, but that seems strange to me. Because if I'm Saul, I need a name change. If I'm going to go tell people about Jesus, they need to not think that it's Saul the persecutor coming to kill him. Like, I would think if I was a person waiting on, hey, Saul's going to come tell you about Jesus, I'd be like, no, he's not. Not me. I'm going to, I'm out of here. You would think that he needs this name change. You would think that he needs this, this reputation wiped away as, as not Saul the persecutor, but Paul the on-fire Christian who had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. But it doesn't happen like that. It takes some time. It takes some It takes some. Uh, so some time between the two ideas and what's funny is the first time that it's actually that he's actually called Paul it's pretty subtle it's not this like and now he was Paul like it's it's really really subtle if you look at the verse that it, the first verse he's called Saul I mean the first verse he's called Paul it's in thir- uh, Acts chapter 13 verse 9 then Saul who was also called Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit that's it his name was changed then, and from then on out, he was Paul. But it wasn't like, then Saul, you know that guy who was really bad, and now he's not any bad anymore, so now he's Paul. No, it was like, then he was, I mean, you know, he was called Paul or whatever. That's crazy to me. And you're thinking, why does this make, why does this have any, like, why are we looking at this? Because I want you to understand that the sign of his transformation wasn't in his name. The sign of his transformation was in his actions. What did Paul do not who Paul was not his reputation changed not that people changed their idea or their opinion of him Paul's actions changed what he did was no longer what he is doing and I feel like some of us wait so long God we need an encounter with you God we need an encounter with you and God steps in our situation and he says all right I'm here here's what you got to do and our actions never change because we're so afraid of what people think. But they know me as this. But they know me as, as this person. That what, they're not gonna change how they think of me because they, they've seen me at my worst. I mean, maybe if I just change, like if my reputation changed, I could really do what God's calling me to do. Your reputation is not something that you need to worry about. Your actions are. God is saying, if you want to change from me, if you want to walk from this situation, you have to change what you do. You've got to change your actions. The transformation wasn't in Saul's name change. It was in his willingness to uh, follow God's plan. If I'm just being honest with you guys, this is going to sound really harsh, but I, I hope that you hear it come from a good place. I do not care what you think of me if my life lines up with what God calls me to do. I, I really, 
you can think of, you can assume all that you want about me, but if my actions are leading Christ's life, are they following Christ's plan? You can think anything and everything you want to about me because your opinion is not gonna change what I do. And that's what we have to understand. If we're ready for our comeback story, we have to stop living with our setback name. If we are waiting for this comeback story, we've gotta live in the, set, in, the, in the comeback and stop thinking about people thinking about our setback because it has nothing to do with, with who you were or what you've done, but it has everything to do with what you do after the encounter with Jesus. Who are you after? What do you do now? I don't care about who you were. Who are you now? You are God's chosen instrument. You are God's chosen people. You are not second best. You are not, you're not the, the last person on the volleyball team get picked or the, the kickball team get picked. No, you are first. You are chosen. Even in the midst of your weakness, God chooses you. God loves you. But it starts, when we understand it, it starts with our behavior. And in time, our reputation changes. In time, our name changes, right? We don't still call him Saul. We don't still call him the persecutor. We see him as Paul, one of the most influential writers in the New Testament. The sign of your comeback isn't in labeling of your before or after, it's in the mission and your purpose of your after. Listen, it may take time for people to notice, but what people are going to notice isn't what you tell them how you've changed. It's how they see you change. It's the actions you take. It's how they see you act and react. It's how you show them you've changed. Saul hears the voice of God. He follows God's calling and his reputation and his name changed over time, but his comeback was evident in his action. He was baptized and he was sent out on his first missionary journey. And some of us are waiting for that first missionary journey. And we haven't taken a step on it yet because we're afraid of the reputation that we carry. We're afraid of what people are gonna, what people are gonna think until, until they are proven that we're, man, you can think all you want. When I know that I'm following God's plan and path for my life, that stuff doesn't matter to me. What matters is, am I saying yes and being obedient every day when I wake up to doing what God's calling me to do? We all have setbacks, we all have a past. We all have a time before Jesus truly changes our hearts and whether or not you did the unthinkable like Paul did, the sign of our comeback is not whether or not we pick up uh, the, 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 the new name that we're waiting on. It's whether we pick up the mission. It's whether we pick up the mission of Christ. That's what our comeback is based on. What we do during our setback determines our comeback. Are you going to pick up God's mission? Are you going to walk with the, the mission of Christ as, as the forefront of your day? You wake up and you say, okay, God. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for, for choosing me. How can I help you today? How can I do something for you today? When you have the moment with Jesus, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna get up and go to Damascus? Or are you gonna walk back towards where you came from just like Darth Vader? Paul's decision and action to change made his life one of the greatest comeback stories of all time. Not what he told people, not what he hoped that people saw about him, but what he did made his story the greatest comeback of all time. Maybe your comeback story will encourage someone 10 years down the road. But you can't walk that comeback story standing still. 
you've got to pick that mission up. You've got to keep walking. You've got to keep pursuing because it's in how you accept and obey God's calling. From a promising young man to a distraught young adult, back to one of the heroes of the story, all because he decided to make a change. What change do you need to make? Seriously, do inventory of your life. What change do you know you need to make right now? Not something that you can make in a year's time after you've, you've figured yourself out a little bit more. What change can you make today that is going to lead you to one of the greatest comeback stories of all time? Maybe today is your encounter with Jesus moment. Maybe today is when you decide to walk a different path. I pray that you are encouraged with this. Maybe your story starts today. And it starts not because you've told people it's gonna start, not because you've decided your name is different, but because you are walking out of this place on a different path, an encouraged path, saying, Jesus, lead me, show me, take me. Wherever you wanna go, God, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna obey your calling. I'm gonna set myself aside and I'm gonna follow after you. Just know this, God can make something beautiful out of ashes. And maybe right now you're, you're like, man, this, this season has been ashes. This season has been tough. This season has been just a, a purging of, of what I thought was important and what I'm figuring out is, is, is the actual important. God can make something beautiful. beautiful. Pray with me this morning. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.